welcome to the GNT Show. Welcome everybody to the latest instalment of the GNT show. Once again, I'm joined by my host with the most. He's been hanging out in the uh, Canterbury Leagues Club car park this week, just waiting for the power brokers and deal makers to come in and 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 sort out the issues at the Canterbury Bankstown Club. Gee, how are you this week? I'm good. I've had better days. Have you? Um, yeah. I mean, look, I could probably wait around and wait for the deal makers to to make a guest appearance. But yeah, frustrating from a football perspective. I'm good otherwise, but from a footy perspective, not a good one as a Dogs fan this last week or so. You know what I do like about the Dogs? I th- every every week we come on here and we go, it can't get any worse. And every, every week they plumb new depths, the Dogs. They're unbelievable. Do I really need to answer that? <laughs> I think it's more of a statement. It's, yeah, it's it's somehow got to work. There's, still, there, so, there's yeah. still two weeks to go. God only knows. There's going to be an earthquake or something at Belmore between now and then. That's the only way this situation can get worse it could be a sinkhole caused by climate change i don't know it's anything's possible anything's possible so another massive week in the world of rugby league we had contract signings and rumors all over the place josh papali's re-signed with the canberra looks like with canberra looks like he's going to finish his career there james tamo looks like he's going to sign a two-year deal with the tigers the rumor is josh adokar is going to sign for fullback money on a four-year contract with the tigers the dogs of course have looked around and have decided the halves combination of Blake Green and Chad Townsend is the answer to all their problems. James Tedesco looks like he's going to sign a lifetime deal. Looks like Josh Maguire is going to rumour to be leaving the Cowboys, rejoin uh, either the Broncos, but although they look like they don't have the salary cap, or, or the Dragons with Anthony Griffin. Speaking of Anthony Griffin, he sacked all his assistants. Um, he's 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 uh, he's bringing his own people in. Uh, the Players Association. I, I love this story. This is the story where. Never negotiate with Peter Volandis where they go, look, if you sign if you sign right now, we'll only give you a 5% cut in the salary cap. And they go, no. And then so Peter Volandis goes, okay, you can have a 10% cut in the salary cap. He's just, he's just great. Don't, don't mess with Peter Volandis, mate. The origin venues have been confirmed, including Adelaide, 27-man squads. I think this season has been great with having origin not ruin the season, the season proper in the middle of the season. So that's been good. Mr. Burns looks like he might be going back to the Broncos as coaching director, uh, overseeing Wayland Smithers and the nuclear power plant. For those that don't know, <laughs> I'm talking about Wayne Bennett. The video was released of Curtis Scott sleeping under a tree and getting tasered, which was just graphic images. Terrible week for Boyd Cordner, not only just with the concussion protocols and the head knocks, but but just his cousin, Joel Dark, and, and, and the tragically dying and passing away. So our thoughts and prayers are with them. Uh, just another massive week in rugby league. G, where do you want to start on this week's events? Shall we start with the dogs? <laughs> Look, you can. I'd rather probably not talk about them at all. But yeah, crazy week. Possibility of an EGM being called and um, the board being turned over. Maybe not in total, but it looks like there's people gunning for a few positions on the board and people clamoring for change. So quite a weird week. It's just been a frustrating time the last five, six years. The club seems to be going backwards. It's not about having off seasons, but historically speaking, whenever we've had off seasons, probably for the last 25 to 30 years, you know, it's all, there's always been mitigating circumstances or they've turned over a squad and they're, you know, rebuilding a new team. But it just seems to be a slow decline. And now we've really hit the bottom. And now, you know, they've changed the board. 
and the new boards come in and it just doesn't seem to be any better. It's just less of, I suppose, maybe a corporate polish than the previous board, but the same problems. You know, things just seem to be falling apart systematically at the club. I mean, does the club have money? I mean, I worry if there's got to be, I mean, long term for 50 years from now, I think there's got to, we all agree, there's got to be consolidation in Sydney. I mean, it's always been rumoured that the Sharks will relocate or that'll be one of the teams. Manly's in a bit of trouble, but they've got private ownership. I mean, I think it's going to be a few years before the dogs turn this around. I don't think Trent Barrett's going to be the coach when they next play semis. From what I understand, they do have money. As you know, the football club controls the league's club at Canterbury, which is an unusual arrangement. And that's solely to ensure that the funding's always at the football club. But, you know, pre-COVID, poker machine revenue, post-COVID, who knows what's going to happen. So there was always a reliance, but they have come out and said that fiscally their accounts are looking good, despite the grant from the Leagues Club stopping. But they seem to be doing okay from that perspective. It's the football side and the governance structures which seem to be sort of all falling apart. Oh, well, so um, as a Parramatta supporter, uh, it's just terrible news. It's excellent. No, you're loving this, I am loving this. Anthony Griffin hasn't even started at the Saints yet. Uh, he's sacked everybody. Yes, yes, he's absolutely he cut a swathe through everybody. Dean Young's had taken one look at this and God, I don't want any part of this. Looks like he's leaving the club as well. So Shane Flanagan's leaving. A lot of the assistants, are, well, in fact, I think he's cleaned out the whole back room. He's going to bring his own people in. Someone in touch with the youngsters, probably around his own age, around 70. So um, what are you? What are your thoughts on What are your thoughts on Anthony Griffith and what's going on at Saints? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I thought they'd bring him in and actually have Dean Young there to sort of be mentored and, you know, have some some kind of succession plan with Griffin sort of setting up the structures. I think that makes way too much sense. <laughs> but, but it looks like Griffin just come in and just gone out. See you later. Who knows why? I think when you come in as a manager or someone that's in charge at a new place, I think it's always good to see what you've got. I mean, rugby league's a tight-knit community, so who knows what happens, you know, behind the scenes. But, you know, Dean Young seemed to be doing a decent job. You seem to hear some good reports about him. Why not keep him on? So I wonder what Anthony Griffin's sort of motive is behind that. But maybe he just wants to bring in all his own people. But I think sometimes you need a little bit of diversity in thought. But, you know, it does speak to some of his My Way or the Highway rumours of how he man-manages. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a good move. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot of high hopes for that. What about some of the player movements? I mean, we saw the rumour of Josh Adokar, four years, fullback. I, I actually think he, he played fullback in the juniors. I think if anyone's going to make the transition, it could be Josh Adokar, actually, to fullback. They're, they're paying him fullback money or they've got, a, they've got a clause in the contract around that look he's worth it i think it's wasted money if they don't involve him in the game plan and just run set plays all the time but if he plays a very similar role to desco and he's floating around the field and gets involved a lot and i love adokar's enthusiasm he, he plays footy with joy you know he's always laughing and he seems to be really enjoying himself all the time i think if he's involved all the time and he plays almost like a Nathan Blacklock role. I see him as Nathan Blacklock version two. I think it'll be money well spent. He's got good skill. He can pass one-handers, you know, throw cutout balls. And he's just acceleration and speed just makes him a danger all the time. So it's how much is he going to be involved? Does he does he have the ball playing to play at fullback? I think he does. I mean, they're almost like the old style five eight. Yeah, he does. I mean, he's got more natural ball playing ability. I mean, look, Jimmy Tedesco, love Teddy, but mate, you know his passing looked very awkward for quite yeah, a number yeah, of that's years, fair. and he's improved in fairness significantly since he's gone to the Roosters. Like now, he looks very comfortable passing, and he, he sort of he hits the ball at the right pace to be able to give a comfortable smooth pass and he's really worked on that you can tell 
And I think there's no reason why Adokar can't. I think Adokar's got more natural ability with the ball than some of these other Is he going into a club as good as the Roosters, though? The Roosters back them in to develop a player to the to their potential. I don't know. I have my doubts about Madge Maguire. I like his intensity. I think he tries to get the players to turn up with intensity every week. I don't know if he really develops players. I'm very sceptical about that. I still believe his South teams, he lifted their intensity a little bit. And players got better because they were he demanded more from them. But I can't tell you he made players better, if that makes sense, from a skills perspective. He came out, he came out during the week and said the same about the G part of the G&T show. He said, he, he said T's carrying it. He's just not no intensity. Listen to your comments from over the last few weeks. He actually queried, he actually queried is, is G watching the games? Well, let's be honest, Madge. And T, for that matter, I'm more of an artistic talent. So, you know, I wouldn't fit into his game plan. So I'm happy not to be coached by him. I'm happy to be coached by Jim Dimmick and um, Justin Holbrook. Shout out to Jimmy D again this week. Yeah, we, we, we had to get him in. We got him in early this week. Uh, he'll, only, he'll only be mentioned another seven times uh, when we ask him, when we ask G about you know, North Queensland Saints, somehow he'll bring it back to Jimmy Dimmick. All right. Did you see those red uniforms that Titans were wearing? <laughs> Um, what, player movement, Chad Townsend, like you What's said. the question they're asking themselves? This is what I'm uh, not understanding. What do they think the problem is that they think Chad Townsend and Blake Green is the answer? Do they really think it's organisation? I mean, they're letting Morgan Hunter go. They, they, they need players all over the park. Their talent identification's been poor. Their retention's been terrible. Their recruitment's been even worse. They're both are decent players. Blake Green and Chad Townsend are decent players, but they're they're not. You're not gonna. They're not gonna be your premiership halves. I think Chad, Chad Townsend's a solid player. He's a trier. But if I go back to Cronulla, he held the fort in 2016 while Ben Barber won them the comp. He provided that X factor to win the comp for them. So, I mean, he did a good job. But you know, would I be signing him to solidify my club? I don't know. Maybe he's a great trainer behind the scenes, and he sets a great example. There's a lot of factors that you don't know about necessarily, but would I take a punt on him? No, I wouldn't. I'd rather keep Lachlan Lewis. Well, Chad Townsend apparently is being recruited to the dogs to give everybody haircuts. So, Well, that's actually probably something that we need. I mean, our haircuts are pretty boring compared to some of the other teams. Maybe that's the edge that's been missing. Maybe, maybe not. Let's move on to round 18. <laughs> Grasping at straws, mate. We've got nothing. Let's move on to the round 18 review. We'll start off with the Thursday night game, which was the West Tigers versus Souths. Souths won this 26-24. They dominated field position and territory. The Tigers again gave up a lead to, and came back at the death, nearly got it over the line. In fact, I thought they were a good show with five minutes to go to get the game. Souths got out to an early lead in the first 30 minutes. It was 20-0. Got at that point watching the game, I thought it could have been 60. Three sin binnings. I don't know. I can't remember the last time it was 12, 12 <laughs> versus 11. We nearly got down to a nines game. Uh, with Alex Twell going for the professional foul. And then people called it an all-in brawl. It was more of a melee between between Luke Brooks and, and Dane Gagai for their part. We don't have all-in brawls anymore. Go back and watch the 80s stuff and you'll see all-in brawls. Melee, right? It's just not happening. Uh, in the end, I thought the Tigers were going to get the bunnies at the end, but but especially when Alex Johnson dropped that ball. and I and I but, but they managed to hold on. Campbell Graham and Damian Cook were great for Souths, and I, and I think Cody Walker is in a bit of a purple patch at the moment. What did, what did you see in this game? I've got to stick to my comment from last week. I think the Tigers got blown away. Their game plan doesn't work, and as soon as they're so far behind, all of a sudden they have to just try and win the game, throw the ball around. They look a lot better, and they play a more natural style of footy. I think um, Souths took the foot off the accelerator a little bit. It becomes a little bit too easy and 
it's very hard for teams to keep that intensity up. Melbourne are masters at that, generally speaking. I think the Roosters have been pretty good for the most part at that. But a lot of the other teams have a lead. They drop in intensity quite a bit. I think it was too easy for Souths. Souths were too good. In fairness to the Tigers, they, they fought back. They did. They've kind of got a little bit of never say die in them, which is it's a good thing to see. But it seems to be once the game plan is out the window, all of a sudden they start throwing the ball around. They look better and they play with a bit more freedom. I couldn't disagree more. We had this debate last week. We agree to disagree on this. If you look at the comp, they're a top five attack. Their defense is woeful. They're not Broncos bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're Broncos bad. <laughs> I don't think anybody's Broncos bad. But to win games, they're having to put five tries on teams. They are. But, you know, I think that also speaks to some of the stuff and the rumors that were floating around. Like the things aren't right behind the scenes. There's, you know, conflict with the coach. The coach doesn't want certain players. I mean, let's be honest. Madge McGuire is the Jose Mourinho of the NRL. He's coming out and slagging off his players in the press in the middle of the week. And then he wonders why they're down 20 nil at half time. I think he overestimated the playing talent at that club. But you don't say that in the press, right? Well, he wants to get rid of them all. Jose Mourinho is Jose Mourinho 101. I didn't buy any of these players. They're shithouse. Can you get you rid of them? You don't know what's been said behind closed doors. I thought Harry Grant was really good. And I thought Benji was good too. I think Benji, since since Benji found out through uh, a letter in the mail and the front page that he's no longer got a contract. <laughs> Is this Australia Post? Apparently they sent it in 2017, but it only just got to him. So yeah. I thought they were both good. And I thought, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't fault them. I, I, I do think Campbell Graham's playing really well. He, he's one of the form centers in the comp. And Cody Walker's been great. But I think the problem for the West Tigers Tigers is that they just they're giving up leads to these teams it's too easy to score on them and then you're right then they are chasing the game but they can score enough points to win these games your point around whether they turn it on and off I think that's fair and maybe they do need to turn it on a bit earlier but they're having to do score a lot just to stay in these games I do think it's to do with the the culture of the place you know the coach is telling players I don't want you here and he's trying to get rid of them and then you're expecting to shove your body in front of a 110-kilo bloke running at you at 100 miles an hour. And I just don't think that's going to happen, especially South gearing up for a good run in the semis. You know, they're coming to play South. It takes, you know, a very strong mentality to be able to still turn up despite all the turmoil at the Tigers and have a real going defence. And I think once they get behind, they it just frees them up. I think the turmoils drop their intensity in defense a little bit. And it's impacting their, you know, they're falling behind by twenty, like you said, twenty, thirty points a game. And they're almost they won last week and they're almost won this week again. So that game probably goes another five minutes. They, they I think that's that. right. I think that's right. But I think there is an element of what you said as well with South. I think Manly last week, you know, with Desi saying we should have won the game ten times over and we found eleven ways to lose it. And I think South's a little bit the same, right? They took their foot off the, the, the pedal in the second half. So moving on to the next game. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, this was the early kickoff on Friday. So again, like I told you last week, if you're listening to this... May as well not kicked off. If you're listening to this in the morning, grab, grab yourself a cup of coffee, grab your favorite spot on the couch, put the headphones on and get ready. If it's an evening, put your book down, grab your red wine as it's our favorite time of the week. Doggy's hour, and 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 your your favorite time of the week. Well, we're gonna Not we're gonna mine. get to the para game <laughs> straight after this, which which is gonna be. <laughs> I have a few stories about that one. That's gonna be great. Yeah. So go. the dogs dogs versus Manly. Manly obviously got up thirty two twenty. Dogs were up ten nil. We both picked them to win, and then they were down sixteen ten at half time. Manly scored twenty two unanswered points. I thought it was another good game by Morgan Hunter. If 
Harper. There was another good game by Morgan Morgan Harper. The Bulldogs recruitment or retention committee probably thought he was Morgan Hunter and let Morgan Harper go to man. Sorry, I don't know why I wrote Hunter down, but Morgan Harper. So yeah, we'll let this Morgan Harper guy go. We've got Morgan Hunter. And and, and but I just I, it's unfathomable, <laughs> inexplicable. If you if you were gonna let him go. Like you do with, like Para did with Daniel Alvaro and George Jennings, wouldn't you at least say he can't play against us? <laughs> I mean, some other decision making. They actually released him. They didn't loan him. They released him because, you know, he was only good enough to play five minutes before we dug up the dead body of Tim Lafay. He was one of our better players last year in the Canterbury Cup. Youngster, up and coming, had one or two games at the end of the year, you know, showed a bit of flash. And then he happens to carve us apart for Manly. How can you say this bloke in a losing season doesn't deserve a run of games? Like he he looked like the best back on the field. And I know it's one game. But I don't. You mean you mean best outside back? Because I thought Daly Cherry Evans was yeah. Daly Cherry Evans was clearly oh, the man no, of the match. Yeah, yeah okay. clearly the man of yes, the match. He was. Um, yeah. But look at the try he scored. Carved us apart. Steps makes another break. Oh, you know what? I don't. I can't analyze this game because it's so frustrating. And to top it off, Marty Tapao scores. So I'm glad Des Hasler decided Martin Tapao was too crap to, to keep and sent him to Manly. Now he's his gun front rower. Thanks, Des. Well, well, that was mild compared to the analysis you gave us earlier in the today. So that was... Yeah, I'm proud that you've managed to keep it keep it in check. Look, on a positive, I know you you thought Avarillo would do well in the halves, and I think he did. I, did, I think he did, and Lachlan Lewis was good as well. Um, they combined really well together. Now... What I will say, though, is because you don't have a tendency to often spot the holes in defence sometimes. Only sometimes, though. Um, I've realised defence was terrible. So was Lachlan Lewis. They missed nine tackles together. <laughs> they were they were woeful in defence. He's a youngster. He's only played seven games. I get that. Lachlan Lewis, interesting, because usually his defence is very solid. And he's a real niggly... He's, he's a niggly he's player. He's a niggly player. And somehow his hair always doesn't move. So I don't know what's going on there. Must have some like, pretty strong product in there. At least something's working. At least the gel in the head um, dressing sheds is working. But um, yeah, unusual from Lo- from Lockie Lewis. His defence is usually a very very strong part of his game, and he's slipped off a few tackles and made a, a few wrong reads in the last few weeks. For me, I'm, I, I think I put it down. He just seems to be playing quite frustrated. Right. Okay. Have you spoken to him? Yeah, we have a regular. Yeah, call. just to discuss uh, Jimmy Dimmick. <laughs> Jimmy, D- <laughs> Jimmy Dimmick, and also. Um, He's been sort of campaigning for a spot. He got one last week. I said, mate, I've got yeah. you in. Yeah, I've got you in. We need a boy band sort of member, and you've got it covered with that hair. Well, that's good. I look forward to you in, in, inducting the rest of the Canary Bankstown t- side. Listen, what, a couple of things on the dogs. A couple of things on the dogs. They could. Can I say the one positive was Jake Avarillo looks like he's got something special. He was good. He was good in the halves. He's got skill, and he can read the game, and he's he he sees opportunity and he goes for it. And I really, really like that about him. And he's shown flashes in every game he's played just about. Defense needs a bit of work. I drop him. No, I get I get he's young. I get he's young. You've got to play him out. I get all that. But if three years from now he's missing these tackles, you you, you, you can't carry him. No. And can't. this is why coaches bulk these halves up. This is what happened to Benji. This is why they... Because the attacks are too good at isolating the poor defenders nowadays. I still believe something needs to be done about that. I know the league's trying, but I just don't think it's fair to have a guy that's 90 kilos trying to tackle a guy that's 110 kilos who's resting. So I think the more they speed the game up, the better. The weights will come down the more they speed the game up. You're always going to have that big versus small issue. 
but at least it evens it up a little bit. Whereas at the moment, it, it's still a little bit too skewed for some of these bigger guys. But in fairness, some of these bigger guys that are coming along now, their motors and their stamina is freaking incredible. None of them are coming through on the dogs. Renov Toamanga was your starting prop and he only played 46 minutes. So, and he missed four tackles in those 46 minutes. So, wasn't his finest game. There is a real fitness problem at the dogs. In defense, you weren't great on contact. So, the Manly were able to to do plenty of second phase play, plenty of offloads, 16 offloads. So there's some real real issues there that are not attack related there. And Josh Jackson getting caught out a couple of times sleeping on the inside. The last four or five weeks, he's let in, I don't know, maybe 10, 11 yeah, tries. Yeah, he, he's, he's not having a good season. No, but I think they're trying to play him 80 minutes. And he's just not an 80-minute player anymore. Give him a, give him a well, spell. But you can't. Your prop forward can only do 46 minutes. Well, then... I don't know. Send them to fitness first or something. Gyms are open again. I don't know. F45, is, is that, that's the latest thing, isn't so it? So if I said to you before this game started that you were going to have more possession, you were going to have more territory, you were going to be tackled 45 times in the opposition 20, and you would win the penalty count 11-4, do you think you would win that game? No, because stats need context. And we can have the ball. We've had the ball clamped in people's halves for the you know last two years, some at times, our completion rate last year at the beginning of the year, while we're getting losing every game, was incredibly high. But it's what you do with the possession. They could play, they could have twelve tackle sets, and they won't score a try. And I think that's the problem. The stats don't tell the whole story. So, you know what? No, I've seen it the last three years, and nothing's changed. I again will say Steve Georgialis has made a difference, and the team does play a bit differently. But we're a 50, 60 minute team and can't go 80. You did you did concede 32 points to Manly. You missed 37 tackles. Wait, I've got a stat for you. This will tell you how big a problem you've got in defence. Morgan Harper busted about 25 Mate, of those. 12. You, you missed you missed 12% of the tackles you tried to make. Look, let's not talk stats and context. It doesn't matter that's, anymore. That's 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 think of that. Think about that. <laughs> Of every this is a this is a there is no analysis. This is not objective. Crazy fan. I'm just losing it now. They're missing, like you said, the fitness. We've been run down in just about every game towards the back end, and just the attacks and structures and things. Just everything needs an overhaul. Whether Barrett's the guy that can do it, I'm not too sure. I wonder how much of Penrith is Barrett and how much of it is Cleary. I've got views on Penrith as well after this game. Uh, we'll, we'll go. It's a good segue into the third game of the round. The the blockbuster that was the Panthers versus the Eels. Can I can I say something about you this can, game? You can, because I've got a lot to say about this game. Go. Okay. I did take a lot of pleasure in listening, getting your text messages <laughs> during the game because T's, he's bought into the hype with Parra this year and he was invested and he was I was getting the fan text messages during the game. That's it. Right, this team can't play. I've had enough. So I, I know... You, you know, as fans, you get that passionate during the game, but it was kind of funny to get those messages. Got, there's a whole street stream of diatribe that I sent you. <laughs> it wasn't my finest hour. Listen, Para defended unbelievably. Unbelievably. Their defense was honestly fantastic. So good, we should have gone in ahead at half time. We should have gone in front. 2-0. Two, two like a ni- early 1980s grand final. <laughs> Josh Mansour's try came from a knock-on at dummy half in the lead-up that the ref missed. So we real and they scored literally with two seconds left in the half. Like we held them out so well. Jerome Luai's try also came right at the end of the game. If that was another team, 
I thought Penrith threw everything they had at And this Para. is why I th- oh, I've got some positives. This is why. Exactly right. Yeah, and I think Para showed title-winning defense, but they could not offer enough in attack. I agree with that. They didn't have any territory or possession, though. If that was another team, the score would have been 50. I agree with that. The Panthers had 60% possession and 65% territory. They ran for 700 meters more. They were tackled inside our 20 57 times. To put that in context, Para was tackled inside the Panthers 27 times in the whole game. Penrith had 15 more sets and we had to make 124 more tackles. On top of that, because with all that weight of possession and territory, the referees also thought, hey man, we need to give the Panthers more possession. So they had eight, <laughs> eight restarts to our three. And despite all of this, we only conceded three tries, two at the end of each half. Now, I agree with you, we've got problems in, in attack. Now, we don't have a lot of depth in the hooker position, and you really saw that at dummy half during the game. Like, some of the passes were sloppy, people weren't looking organised, particularly in the second half, coming out of our own end. And Dylan Brown provides something really strong for us in that he straightens the attack. Mitchell Moses is going two sideways, so he's, he's taking a space away from his outside backs. And he's, he doesn't have variety in his game. So the defense isn't in two minds. Mitchell Moses in this game, you know, I think there's a lot of potential in Mitchell Moses. And, and when we're on top in the forwards, he's really good. But he's no Cooper Cronk. And what I mean by that is there was a set in the second half, I think it was, where we were, it was one of the few sets we had on their line. Well, it was one of the few tackles we had on their line. He was drifting across field. Gutho was meant to be a dummy runner. It was a block play, effectively. And he threw it into Gutho. Now, there was a lack of communication, a lack of creativity, a lack of a lack of talking and a lack of, you know, if you're down 8-0 in a game like that, that's where you're half. He does something really solid, puts on a play, goes wide. They get over. It's 8-4 or 8-6. You kick it. You're back in the game, right, even though you didn't deserve to be. And he's just not getting the team over the line in games where we might only have one or two shots. Now, flip side of that, Nathan Cleary... Jerome Luai, James Fisher-Harris were great. I mean, the whole Panthers team was great. And Josh Mansour in particular, underrated. They haven't spoken enough about him. He gave them a lot of mileage. Whenever we'd kick the ball, he was running it back for 100 metres, right? They've got a good balance of everything. Mate, they've had a lot go their way, the Panthers. I want to see Penrith against a battle-hardened team where they are under the pump. A lot of the last 10, 11 weeks, they've had the bulk of possession and territory. They haven't had any games where they've conceded possession and territory. They've had the lowest amount of travel in the comp, and they've had the easiest draw. So, yes, yes, they're looking good, but the jury's out for me. They're very interesting points. I think you are right. They have had an easy run and built up their their confidence. I think part of it is they are quite an attacking team, so they do, do I think, gain ground as a result. But, gee, they only attack They only attack because they got field position. They are dominating field position and territory at the moment. With Mitchell Moses, I think he's trying to become more of a game manager because that's always been the criticism of him. But I think what's happened, you say he doesn't throw anything at the defense, but that used to be his strength. And that seems to have disappeared for whatever reason. I don't know if he's being asked to play a different role or to manage the game better because he's quite an instinctive guy. Sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't. But it always gave him that edge and a little bit of an X factor. And I think that's missing. He seems to be playing a different role. What I've always loved about watching him play is his running game or his you know, willingness to chip and chase to try stuff. And I don't really see that anymore. From an Eels perspective, all I can say is the defense was superb. The Penrith, I just think they're same, same old, same old mix of power. Everyone's involved and everyone's playing really well. 
But with Para, I think they need spark. And I don't know how this is going to go. And I think if Dylan Brown's out for the rest of the season, I think you need to move Gutherson to 5'8". And I think you need to put Jai Field at the back to give him a little bit of an edge like this or the speed and acceleration that someone like Pappenheisen adds. And I just think they need a different look. Whatever it is, it's not working at the moment. I don't think I don't think I don't think fullback's the problem. I don't think it's a problem. I just think their attack is lacking that directness and sharpness and that speed. And I think Jyfield moving to fullback will give him room to add that to power. But from where? From your own line? They seem to be doing everything else right. They just can't score points anymore. If you look at okay, well, so I agree with that. But every week. Every week they've been dominating other games, and it's not the fullback. It's not the fullback that's the problem there. That's the halves. It's it's absolutely on Mitchell Moses. Mitchell Moses's creativity. You're right. All the observations you made about Mitch Moses is right. He's running sideways. He's not taking on the line. His short kicking game has not been good. His long kicking game's fantastic. I know he's got Andrew Johns there, but he needs to he 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 needs to mix his game up more, and he's got to be comfortable. And this was always the challenge when Corey Norman was in that side as well, because they used to butt heads. Because Mitchell Moses tends to overcall for the ball. Like you need you need to give space for some of these other players so that when you do inject yourself, you're injecting yourself 50% of the time, not 75% of the time. To to give you some idea of 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 our problems at the moment in attack. We are now ninth in the competition for points scored, so outside the top 8, we're in the bottom half. I would never have guessed that at the start of the season because I actually thought Parramatta had one of the best attacks in the competition. So that's a that's a surprising statistic. Tenth in tries scored, even further back. Since round thirteen, we've only scored ten tries. It's the same as the Broncos. Now, now something about their defence that I want to talk about. They're the fourth best at tries conceded. So they're they're really good in defence, right? They don't. They're the fourth best defensive team in terms of tries conceded, but they're eleventh in line breaks conceded. So for weeks we've been talking about Brad Arthur's system. Teams can get around us. And since the Souths game, they have been getting around us. But our cover defense, our scrambling, and our fight on our line is probably the best in the comp. 11th in line breaks conceded. You know, the fourth best in tries conceded. So I think very deliberate because there's some of the 80s. And this is funny. Some of the umbrella defense that the dogs used to employ and put in as a structure, they were happy to give breaks, but their scrambling defense would always cover. So you would feel like they were always under pressure. But... It was just the way the system was designed. I think Paro's got a very similar system, up and in, aggressive. They really have faith that their cover defense and the desire to come across and cut off any um, attacks is is there. And I think they do a great job. I think defense is superb. But yeah, do you feel like they're under pressure a lot? Now, 51% of tries scored against Parramatta have come against our right-hand defense. So we've got a real problem out there with Wonga Blake. We love Wonga Blake. Oh, I'm going to talk about Melbourne too, because the team that has uh, in the top eight... The only team that has a higher proportion coming from the right-hand side is Melbourne. Branko Lee is a massive, massive liability. We've got 51% of the tries yeah. being scored against us on the right-hand side, and Melbourne have 59%. Branko Lee's a real problem, so much so that Craig Bellamy hooked him in the second half of this game. So anyway, that's that's my rant, and that's my stuff about Panthers. There is light at the end of the tunnel, but unless we get some creativity in the halves and Mitchell Moses finds his mojo... We're going to struggle, but generally speaking, you're right. We are getting opportunities on the other team's try lines. We just can't score. I don't think it's a Gutho issue. I think it's a halves creativity issue. Gutho almost plays like a second five eighth anyway, and he's always involved in the game. I just think that they need to add, they need to take field out and give him room to move because he gives them speed that they don't otherwise have. 
or and they can interchange, right? There's no reason why Gutho can't play fullback and sometimes in attack step up like he does and have field act as a fullback. I just think having that speed there makes a difference. Pappenheisen is a small guy. Different system. Totally different system, you're right. Because um, the fullback has a huge part to play for Melbourne. They need to try something because at the moment their attack has fallen away and it doesn't seem like they can get it back. I don't think Field is, is in our top 17 players. He probably isn't. But you know what? He's, your, he's the fastest guy on the field. Give it a try. Stuff it. What do you got to lose, right? At the moment, they're really struggling to score. We're in fourth place. They are. Defensively, they've got the defense to win the competition. Their attack seems to... I think Brad Arthur's overcorrected for last year. I think we were great. Remember, we were beating teams 58-0. We were losing to teams 40-0. Yes. I think think we've overcorrected for last year. There's this perception that if you play attacking football, you need to grind out wins. Yeah, you do. But the thing is, if you go back and look at some of the teams that have dominated the comp, it's because, yes, defensively they're superb, right? But their attack has usually been phenomenal and really dangerous. And I think Para seems to have gone into game management mode and it's just impacted things. And if you lose your confidence, you're not getting it back in the semis, mate, against better defences and a faster, more intense style of game. So... All right, well, we've got the Broncos this weekend, so we'll see how, how that goes this weekend. Then The next game, we move on to the games on Saturday. I don't have a lot of points on this next game because uh, it, you know, after half time the game was basically over. Um, Saints versus the Raiders. Saint, Raiders got up 37-8. to eight. Hudson Young played fantastic for the Raiders um, after getting an eight-week suspension for eye-gouging last year and missing the grand final. He's actually, his performance was so good, and you've got someone who can run out the game, I think he played 70-odd minutes, that Ricky was able to give Josh Papali, keep him on the bench the entire second half. He didn't get a run in the second half, Josh Papali. Going into the finals, that's great break for them. It's a bit like LeBron. You know how they say he game manages during the game? Yes, yep. He, Hudson Young played so well that it allowed Ricky Stewart to do that with Josh Papali. Jack White scored two tries, seven tackle breaks, continued his great run of form, and George Williams laid on three tries. Fantastic debut for Cody Ramsey. Nearly had a first half hat trick. Uh, that's a great debut, you know, um, first up. So um, good to see some of the youngsters getting a run for Saints as well towards the back end of the season. But, geez, Jason Saab's really fallen out of favour. Well, I think he? he's going elsewhere. He is, yeah, but... You know, he's kind of like a, a, a big hope at the beginning of the well, year. Well, Saints and, Saints and Bulldogs are a little bit the same for me. I just don't know what's going on. <laughs> just like, I just can't work, work quite work it all out, the decisions that are being made. But um, the, the Raiders were only up 14-8 at half time. So the, dra- the Dragons did look willing, but, but they just weren't at the races in the second half. Cam McInnes was great for the Saints. 111 metres, 58 tackles. The, the man is missing teeth for a reason. He just gets through... <laughs> He just gets through a mountain of work. Um, we saw we saw both sides of Corey Norman because Corey Norman in attack the last few weeks has actually been quite good. He's been making line breaks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Corey Norman is a very talented. And he player. did that again, but he also missed five tackles. And I was thinking a little bit about Corey Norman during the week and Anthony Griffin coming back and what you said last week about Ben Hunt, Anthony Griffin, and the ex Broncos, and if he brings Josh McGuire down, you know, you'll get Dad's army from the Broncos going again. But Steve Renoff as well. Is Steve Renoff coming back and Alfie Langer? I think they're going to get Terry Madison back to do the the toe toe bashing <laughs> kicking. Gene Miles. Gene Miles, yeah. what a player. Good moustache too. So, but, but Corey Norman played fullback for Anthony Griffin, remember? And it was when Scott Prince was there and he didn't yes. know. So I just wonder, because he's now played in the halves at Para, he's played in the halves at Saints. Is Corey Norman a fullback? I think he can play fullback. He kind of reminds me, and please God, don't strike me down with lightning. He's kind of reminds me a little bit of Jared Hayne. 
the laconic Jared Hayne. He's he's not as good as Jared Hayne. No, no, not not in terms of his athletic ability or anything like that. It's just that being a para fan, you would know it was Jared Hayne's vision of space and the game. You know where he'd come in from fullback and make an extra man, and he'd throw these balls into space that you. You can't even see that the opportunity was there, and he just—you just like, how did he even see that? I think Norman kind of has a little bit of that vision without his athleticism, and you can probably play him at fullback. I think he might be more effective, and it kind of forces his involvement in the game a little bit more. And I think Norman kind of needs that. I think the danger of that is you need then spark from your five eight or your half as well to threaten the line. Otherwise, it's too easy to to mark the Saints or to defend the Saints' attack. I agree. You need someone else that can break the line, but can you play him at fullback? Absolutely. I just think he might be suited to fullback now. And your point around Jared Hayne, I don't think Corey Norman's like Jared Hayne. I don't. I, don't, I can't quite see the same similarities that you're, you're pointing out there. But I'm just talking about the passing game and closer to the line. He's got. He's got vision. It's great I mean, vision. I know he's not flavor of the month at the moment because of his problems and all the rest of it and the court cases and those types of things. But Jared Hayne. You've got to go back and watch how good he was in Origin. You've got to go back at the highest level of football, how good he was and how much he dominated. He is very, very underrated now. He he is the best para player I've seen in the last thirty years. Look, I know, and I've told you this before. I know somebody that used to be one of the coaches at Para a long time ago, and he actually said the game was so easy to him in that seventy percent of Jared Hayne was still better than everybody else in the team. So trying to get him to play at hundred percent or ninety five percent was very difficult because his seventy to eighty percent was actually better than everybody else. So because trying to get him to reach his potential was hard because he was so much better and more naturally talented anyway. He said he was the most talented player he'd coached. Can I ask you a question? Are you putting in a hundred percent at the moment? Is this a hundred percent you're giving me on this on this pod? I'm I'm the Melbourne style. I'll give you ninety five percent. This is ninety five percent. Yeah, ninety five. No wonder the dogs yeah. are in trouble. All right, let's move on to the Titans versus. <laughs> Whatever happened to one hundred and ten percent? I only, I only increase performance when I'm under pressure. When the big games, I'm clutch. I'm a clutch podcast. Are you? I can't wait to see your contribution about you you and the Jim Dimmick hour during the semifinals. Wait, wait till the semis, yeah. But you know what? We'll do a live pod from the grand final. You know, some of these games towards the end of the year, let's be honest, starting to lose a bit here. Well, the next two weeks, we're going to get it. We're going to get into this week's a diabolical round coming up. You're like watching games and you're, you're sort of, it's evil. We feel like some of the teams have got nothing to play well, for. Well, they don't. Like, they don't. Well, okay. Canberra runs straight through the Dragons. The Dragons hang in and then Canberra, you know, turns it up and north. Oh, yeah, blew him off the park in the second half. I think the good sign for Canberra was the the involvement of George Williams. Oh, he was great. He was really good. I just can't take too much out of this. 37-8 to eight against the Saints team that doesn't have a coach and had all their play, all their coaches sacked and all the rest of it. I just, I just don't know. So the next game was the Titans versus Broncos. The Titans got up 18-6. Third win in a row for the Titans and the first time they've done the double over the Broncos. Broncos started well. Darius Boyd got a try, probably his farewell try. And then they went scoreless for 70 minutes. It was their ninth loss in a row. I, I can't believe we're saying that about the, the Broncos, the great Broncos. I think it's great. Young Tonopaya <laughs> was fantastic. Great. Best moustache in the league. Scored it. It is the greatest moustache. It's full on out of an 80s Tongan Uncle playbook. Scored a great try. Ash Taylor played really well. And that Ash Taylor made the butt break. So if you want to know everything that's wrong with the Broncos, have a look at that try. Tom Dearden was three steps too far over to the right in the defensive line. Ash Taylor spotted it straight through. That's a really good sign. He got over the top of Tom Dearden and he's playing with a bit more confidence. 
It is, and I have very um, clear flashbacks to Bulldogs 2012 offensive architect or the coach oh, behind Jim that. Dimmick. You say that, but they did the same thing. How many coaches would allow their team to actually play that way? You're saying Tom Dearden was in, but that's because no other team would even try to throw the ball on their own line. And the Titans have done it two weeks Gee, in a row He was standing now. next to his winger. Even you would have spotted that hole. Go back go back and have a look. Go back and have a look. But no, I stand by what I say. I think that shows the freedom that Holbrook and has given them to play and to spot what they what is happening in the defense and to actually attack it. They did it against the Bulldogs off the kickoff last week. And they did it again, and that try was sensational. Your your example there is they did it against the Bulldogs and the Broncos, the bottom two teams in the comp. And they, their attacking brilliance was so good, they scored 18 points this game. <laughs> let's not go bog, let's get bogged down with who scored listen, what. Listen, facts, facts ruin narratives. Sorry, so continue, yeah. <laughs> I'm all about the That's narrative. fantastic. I'm going to use that one. I'm going to use that one. So I thought Payne Haas... He's play. He was brilliant for the Broncos. I feel sorry for that kid. I- Payne Haas chased down oh, no, that try. Like, like, this is the. This prop. is absolutely the problem. That try. If you go and break that try down, that is everything that's wrong with the Broncos at the moment. But having said that, the stats in this game were quite even. But but the Titans are building well under Justin Holbrook, and they look like they they just they just they just got a bit more confidence. They do. I think that try, like you said, probably is everything wrong with the Broncos and everything that's sort of going right with the Titans. In that there, you know, someone like Ash Taylor, who's a natural footy player, has been allowed to to play, and you can see him play with a confidence now. He doesn't look nervous. And gee, when they were losing earlier in the season, was that Jim Dimmick's fault as well? Of course not. It's only when they their attack, you know, looks fantastic. Is <laughs> the attacking coach the defense? The defense is all blamed on just right. Holbrook. Okay. I joke around, but I think what you notice is he's having input, and Holbrook, by the sounds of it, you know, really likes input from his assistant coaches and stuff. How do you know that? How do you know that he likes? You can tell. You can tell. Just just when they pan to the crowd and they see in that in that little box Justin Holbrook and Jimmy Dimmick, you you're just going, mate. Of course. This is this is all odd. Jim Dimmick went from the offensive coach for a grand final team to running the water at the dogs, so I think it's a big difference. <laughs> so, Dave, at least the players weren't dehydrated, so he would have been the best water runner yeah. too. But anyway, Dave Fafita was solid. Nearly scored before half time before he dropped the ball over the line. He didn't miss any tackles, and I can't remember the last time I said that about Dave Fafita. He's an enigma, isn't he? He is an enigma. You know what? He looks like he's one of those guys that looks like he's forty, but he's actually twenty. Okay, moving along to the Roosters versus the <laughs> Roosters versus the Knights. More hard hitting analysis. Roosters versus the Knights. Again, there was a few blowouts this week. I mean, yeah, the I Knights know. rested Mitch Barnett and Kalen Ponga and got smashed. That's oh, that's right. Mitch Barnett. It's like, that's it. The game's over. He's their best forward. Are you watching these games? He's their best forward. Roosters. Too good. Too good. Seven tries. Tra- training run, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. I tell you what, Sonny Bill Williams made a lot of progress in one week. 33 minutes. Um, and just amazing progress between one and two. He had three or four offloads. He was great. He's a gift from the football gods. He's come back to play for the Roosters and lead them to the promised land in the semifinals. Angus Crichton played fantastic for the Roosters against the, the against the Mitch Barnettless Knights. He had 170 metres, seven tackle busts and 46 tackles. It's someone different every week. If someone's not playing, someone puts their hand up. The the culture and the and the structures and this this is by far and away the best run and best coach club along with Melbourne in the comp at the moment. Ah oh, damn, I feel bad admitting that. But... It's true. It's them in Melbourne. L- Luke Keary and Daniel Tupu got a double. They look much better with Daniel. Well, look Tupu. at Luke Keary, unwanted at sales. Well, no, that's not true. 
He was wanted at Souths. He got into a fist fight with Russell Crowe and then had to leave the club. Oh, I forgot about that bit. Yeah, I suppose if you punch out the you know, the offs. I don't think he was unwanted. I think I think I think, I think if, you, if, you go, if you go to Nana Glen and Nana Glen's in the middle of nowhere, he's on 150 acres. If you get into a fight with the owner of the property, it's a long drive home. It is. Do you reckon that? Russell Crowe was in Gladiator. I mean, who won that fight? Well, I, uh, I mean, Crow, overall, Russell obviously, about, Russell Crowe won the war, but who won that fight? Luke Kerry would have been, what, 23 at the time or 21 or something like that. But yeah. If Russell yeah. Crowe didn't win that fight, I mean, come on, Rusty. He's the, gla- he's the Gladiator, yeah. right? So Jake you know. Friend played really well as well for the Roosters. Um, Jake Friend's a great player. Just consistent, wholehearted, smart, tough. The Roosters didn't miss him when he was there, if that makes sense, because... Verrills and um, Verrills is a good good hooker. Radley, yeah, were, yeah, were really good. But Jake Friend is is still sensational, and he's just experienced. Too. That's right. I don't think either team can take anything from this. Well, what do you take? They rested, like you said, Ponga, who's their main attacking spark, to give him a rest, which he probably needed. I think it was a good move. But then the Roosters at full strength are probably just sharpening themselves up to you know whip everybody in the semis. They're looking, they're looking ominous. Trent Robinson has run, timed this run. Perfectly. They are. It's kind of scary. They're starting to really start to ramp it up. And now I'm starting to possibly agree with you there that they they are. They're looking very ominous. They're starting to look like the best team easily, even though Penrith keeps on winning. Well, the problem with Pen- Penrith is like I can't quite buy it until they're tested. All the games they've won, they've dominated possession and dominated territory. Inexperience in the semis too, right? Like they're not going to have 65% possession against the Roosters or Melbourne. So they're going to have to make a lot more tackles. They're going to have to do a lot more on their own line. The game's going to be a lot more 50-50. When they're, when they're playing Melbourne or the Roosters, somehow the set restarts will be much more even, I think you'll find. They, they look amazingly well at the moment, the Panthers, but they need, they need a, a hit out. They don't need to lose. I don't think they need... The, I'm in this camp that they need a loss, but they need a hit out. I think so. Oh, but you know what? There might be one of those teams where they, they go into the semis a little bit you know, bright-eyed, first up. They probably get shocked with the intensity, might lose a game, especially if they play someone like the Roosters first up or Melbourne, and then they might, you know, gather their composure again and go and make a run to the grand final. I think that's how I see Penrith's semi-final quest possibly panning out. But the Roosters are looking very strong, and Sonny Bill will, you know, play into better form, and he just adds extra skill and nous to their forward pack. I mean, they already have that, but he, he does add something different. Oh, I agree with that, particularly particularly if you play him through the middle because you don't get a lot of middle forwards who can offload the ball the way he can. And they're all playing better. Like Tupo, Tupu's back. He's great. The Morris boys are back to full health. Tedesco's playing better. Kiri, like, geez, far out. Anyway, too good, too good. yeah. So ne- next game, we move on to the Sunday games. First up was Melbourne versus Cowboys. Melbourne obviously got up 36-20. The Storm secured a top two finish. Cowboys scored first through the hammer. There was a lot, there was a lot in this game. There was a lot that happened in this game, but then Josh Maguire had a brain explosion with 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 possession of the ball. <laughs> oh, he gave, he got binned when his team had the ball. Who knows what he? Well, he did say he was niggly, right? So he's probably complaining about something. But you know, I, don't, I don't even know what he said. But he must have said something pretty bad. I don't think we I don't think we can say it on a family podcast. But okay, no, but. He's, when he goes, when they when the cowboys go to the ref, what did he say? I he said the ref said I won't repeat it. You'll have to ask him when he comes back on the field. Nice, okay, great. T- and and while he was off, Tino and Asafa Solomona went in over the off of yeah. Cam Smith just orchestrated it perfectly. 
It was a try. Both both tries were off try assists from Cam Smith, who had three for the game. Addo Carr then scored after Kyle felt fell off a tackle. I think 2015 was the last time Kyle felt made a tackle, and Josh Josh Maguire was in the stands. I think getting a bucket of chips. He was that far out of position as Josh Addo Carr put himself in the pram and just strolled over under the post. So he was very lazy getting back. And then Cam Munster did the 110-metre hurdles to score and make it 24-4 at halftime, and the game was how, over. How good was that, the instinct? Oh, fantastic. Just, the guys coming to dive at your legs to just, just jump over him. Cam Munster, I have to say, you know, being a youngster, he's he's covered the whole 80s thing with his hairstyle and his mo. He looks like he's all he needs is a Hawaiian shirt and like white cargoes or something, and he's straight out of the 80s. Great, great outfit. It'd be a great outfit. I really outfit. like this Melbourne team, but I don't think they can win it, and I'll tell you why. Because the Cowboys won that second half 16-12. The Melbourne right edge in the second half fell apart, so much so. <laughs> Brinko Lee. He got turfed. He got hooked <laughs> and replaced by Nico Hines, and Cam Munster moved to fullback. That's how bad it was. And that stat I gave you, 59% of their try of tries conceded are coming down that right edge. He makes he makes um, Branko Lee makes Wonga Blake look like Matt Cooper. Oh my god! I hope that Wonga Blake doesn't shave his hair and grow rat's tail like Matt Cooper. But Matt Cooper was a model, so Matt Cooper was also possibly the best defensive center in in the last thirty years. Uh, maybe great athlete defensively. I'm not saying he was the best center. I'm saying defensively, it's a real issue. They're gonna they're gonna concede points. They're gonna concede points against the really top, top sides like Panthers, because that's Kikau's side as well. If Kikau's running at Branko Lee, they're going to score a few points, mate. Oh, what, I, what I liked about Melbourne is some of the variety, even in their barge over tries. And I know that sounds like a weird thing to say, but with Asafa Salamona, they they have other runners in play, and then they come from depth and at speed. And these guys, they're so big. You know, they, they run in numbers and they isolate some of the defenders. They're just going straight over. And you've got Cam Smith ping, picking the right option as well. That's very hard to stop. I agree with you. I think Melbourne, I think it's just a wait and see to the semis. I think last year they could match the Roosters in intensity, but I don't think they had the variety in attack to trouble the Roosters. They got variety in attack this year. I just think that right edge is a problem. You know, but in the semis, they might solidify it. It'll be interesting to see what Bellamy does. I mean, Brenko Lee, even when he played at the Dogs and the Raiders early in his career, great attacker, good on his feet, does regularly makes breaks, good skill with the ball. But defensively, it makes the wrong read often. He's come a long way. I'll tell you that he's a lot better than he used to be. So he's improved significantly, but he's still one of their weak points. So it'll be look. I think that that's just a wait and see to the semis. I think their variety might get them out of a bit of trouble, provided defensively they can still hang into these games. So I think Melbourne top four. Let's just see what they got. You know, playing out the season. They're one of the handful of teams that can win it. I just at the top echelon, I just think the Roosters and the the Panthers will just it's it's just it just so happens that where their strengths are in attack is where the Melbourne weakness is, yeah. So again just against those two teams, I don't think it's as big a problem against the Eels and the rest of the eight, but against those two teams in particular, I think that right hand side will be a problem. So the next well hopefully I'm wrong because I really do like this current Melbourne team. I think they're fun to watch. The last game of the round was the toughest game of the round. It was a real gritty, tough affair. The Sharks versus the Warriors. Lots to play Lots for. Lots to see. play for. Sharks got up 22-14. The, the Sharks wingers were unbelievable. Katoa and Mulatalo were fantastic. Talakai was a beast. 
for the Sharks. He is. He's 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 the um cannonball. Oh my God, he's an absolute beast. He is. Once that guy gets a full off season, I think of training powerhouse. So I think I'd love to see him in a proper training environment over the course of the well, season. He sent, he sent he Peter Hiku from the field when Peter Hiku went to... It was almost like he did a shoulder charge while carrying <laughs> the ball. I didn't call him a cannonball he for did nothing. It, and then he laughed going into the next tackle. It was just fantastic. Sean Johnson is playing out of his skin. We've been saying it for weeks. It's SJ. Come on. He's, I, he's just, you know, he's amazing. He, I think he'd be... You know what? He'd be good at everything. He's one of those guys that'd be good at everything. Now, I, I don't sure. think they've beaten... A top eight side this year, though, the Sharks. They sit in a position where the teams that are lower than them, they're just too good for them, but they don't have the ability to challenge the contenders. You're kind of in a little bit of a court in between, and I think that's where the Sharks are. On their day, I think they can they can beat anybody, but they're too good. Their attack and their class is too good for the poor teams. But against the good teams, I don't know if they play with the same intensity and they can match them, I think. But they can absolutely beat anybody one-off. I don't think they can string two or three wins together. Yeah, I just I just can't see them going far in the finals. And there's there's lots no. of rumours about 2022 and Shane Flanagan coming back to coach them. That's the red-hot tip that he's going to come back and coach them in 2022. So we'll see how that plays out. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, look, the success they had under Flanagan and they didn't want to get rid of him. He just had had some unfortunate gym habits or tr- uh, interesting training sort of regimes, and you know they, they 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 had to get rid of him. But if they had their choice, they would not have. So I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if they brought him back straight away. Yeah, so I, I suspect that's that's probably on the cards. Now, in terms of the the final eight's now set. So, and we'll see when we go through the the round nineteen preview that there's a lot of changes. A lot of teams are resting up players. Chanel Harris Tavita and Cody Nikarima were really poor in defence. Chanel Harris-Tavita missed the tackle. It was a, He slipped over with the, the, the game-winning try and Toby Rudolph. They're very slight. They're very young. I get it all, but but exceptionally poor in defence. Um, Jake Murchie was good for the Warriors, and, and the Warriors have just had a great season. I can't, I can't be... They're everybody's second team, and deservedly so. The last thing on this game was Peter Hiku gave one of the greatest flick passes for Adam Pompey's try that you should go, if you haven't seen it, go have a look at it. Um, and this was prior to him getting absolutely, having his ass handed to him by CSC for Talakai. No, no surprise. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about the Knights game, Peter Hickory threw like a cutout pass with a flick pass. He was an incredible... He's got the best flick pass in the game. Oh, yeah. It was like a, a spiral flick pass that went like 15 metres straight to the guy's chest. It was an unbelievable piece of skill. It's like, you know, when you're mucking around in the park and people, you know, throw the flick passes. As, like, he just did that in the game like it was nothing. Do you pass balls in the park often? Uh, no, I don't, have the, I don't have the strength anymore to, to flick it 15 metres. Right, okay. It's, it's too difficult. And the thing is, the eyesight's going, you know, I'll probably throw it and where I think it will go and it'll probably hit somebody else in the head. So, no, it's too dangerous. You're in the park more than I am, but if you're doing flick passes, I think you'll probably hit the car, car window <laughs> and break it. It's highly likely. So... But no, but I mean, his flick, he, he's, that's a real weapon now. He can, you know, throw a 15 metre pass that way, which is, if you think about it, that's a, with someone tackling you, that's phenomenal. I thought he was over. I thought his career was over. Like, I didn't, I wasn't sure. I thought he was a fringe first grader, but he's been, he's been really good this year. He's gotten better as the season's gone on. And I agree with you. I think he's always had the talent there, very highly regarded. And he seemed to, you know, plateau quite a lot. But towards the back end of this year, 
geez, he's had some. He's just gotten better and better and really, really come on. So I think the look. I think the Warriors have built something there. They look this year. They've been superb with all the challenges they've had. I'm looking forward to them next year. I think Nathan Brown seems to be good for some of the younger players and developing players. So it'll be good to see the Warriors next year. I think they they've got something to build on. Do you think Nathan Brown next year to to g up Trent Barrett might slap him before the game? Oh, that'd be great. That is still re- that that was still the greatest thing ever. It's like, mate, Trent wake up and just slapped him on the sideline. It was awesome. I don't know that it was awesome. It was it was one of the weirdest things. He was his teammate like twelve months before that. I was actually at the game where he got carted off on the um, helicopter. It was a trial against the dogs. I went with my mate who goes for the dragons, and it was really sad to see because Nathan Brown. As much as I hated him playing for Saints, because he always seemed to have a blinder against the dogs, which was annoying. Fringe rep hooker. Very good, 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 good player. Very clever player. It's good he's really come on as a coach, you know. And, I mean, he seems to be highly regarded to coach up some of these younger teams and build them. So, I'm looking forward to his his um his season next year with the Warriors. I think the Warriors have really needed somebody like that for a Let's hope time. COVID's over and that they can play at home next year. Because I think another season over here could be tough. No. Nah. Be too hard. End of end of segment. Hey, yeah. Tim. So we move on to the round nineteen preview. Uh, first up Thursday night. So we get we get Bulldogs hour over over and done with. First up this week, Souths versus the Dogs. Souths are a dollar ten favourites. Bulldogs are seven dollars outsiders. If you fancy a bet, Bulldogs have got six. This this is a terrible round of football. Just so I put it out there, it's a lot of lopsided games at the moment. Bulldogs have got sixteen and a half start. For the Rabbitohs... Yeah, starting with this one. Yeah, well, it's the first game, Thursday night, and, and I enjoy it. Jack, for the for the Rabbitohs, Jackson Paulo returns on the wing for the suspended Dane Gagai, and Hammy Selly replaces Pat Mago on the bench. For the Bulldogs, G's favourite player, Tim Laffey, returns at centre with Dallin Wateni. No, no, no. It's not Tim Laffey anymore. This is the dead body previously known as Tim Laffey. Tim Laffey was a good okay, centre. Okay, week, weekend at Bernie's returns for... At centre. Oh, that's an old movie, but basically it's when, you know, a couple of guys drag around a dead guy and pretend he's alive. That is exactly Tim Lafayette in 2020. So he returns at centre with Dallin Wateni Zelezniak moving to the wing and Nick Meaney's been dropped. Uh, Back. Yeah, because, you know, we've only, it's only been our best winger the last few weeks, so, you know, stuff him. We'll just drop him. Great. Makes total sense. So it's good that you're taking it well. No, absolutely With not. back rower, Matt Dury injured. Chris Smith starts at lock. Josh Jackson returns to the edge, which I don't know if it's a good or bad thing. Luke Thompson returns. It's not a, not a good thing. He was getting stepped in the middle we, of the rough. I don't know if you've seen him play. I don't, I don't know if you've seen him defend on the edge this year. Luke Thompson. Look, Chris Smith, talented player, came from the Roosters um, as a youngster. He's got something. He's just not match fit, unfortunately. So he's a little bit off the pace, but he's got some potential, Chris Smith. Um, he's, he's been injured, hasn't played much this year, but I like him as a player. He's, he's a good squad player. A very good squad player, actually. Well, it's all relative. You're coming last. Luke Thompson returns at prop. And Renoff Toamanga drops to the bench alongside the recalled Sione Katoa with Dean Britt drop, dropping to 18th man. Dean Britt should be dropping together. I was so surprised. Is Dean Britt... How old is Dean Britt? I don't care. Like, he... Why we... Why we... This is the thing, right? We recruited Dean Britt for whatever what? reason when we had 55 back rowers already. He was, he was still and playing. I don't mind. He's, he's a guy that's, you know, a reserve back rower but if he's better than what you got or has the potential to be fine you're recruiting but when he's no better than the seven back rowers we had already i don't understand the recruitment 
at all in any way. Okay, so I, I think we're all tipping Souths. Yeah, by twenty. So more than sixteen and a half. Uh, I, I reckon the I reckon the over the over's a good bet here. The yeah. over's a good bet. I think I think Souths are really playing to get into great form come semi. And, and I think you guys are really bad. <laughs> I think you guys are really bad. So, so moving on to the Friday games. First games: Cowboys versus the Panthers. The Cowboys are rank outsiders at six dollars fifty. Panthers a dollar twelve favorites. The Cowboys have got fourteen and a half point starts. For for the Cowboys in team changes, Murray Tuolagi replaces Justin O'Neill at centre, and Corey Jensen starts at prop with Francis Molo moving to lock for the suspended Josh Maguire. He may have played his last game for the Cowboys. John Asiata, who uh, <laughs> who's, who had some very poor tackles in the game against Melbourne, is also suspended with Emre Pere and debutant Ben Condon called up on the bench. Gavin Cooper has been listed to start with Tom Gilbert on the bench. Jason Tamalolo is a chance to return from a calf strain after being named in Jersey 18. For the Panthers, Api Corusau, after his head knock, has this week off with Mitch Kenny coming in at hooker. James Tamo will also sit out this week, getting rested with Moses Leotoa starting at prop. Kurt Capewell and Jack Hetherington in his first game back from a Warriors loan deal join the bench with Zane Tedevano also out. Panthers by a lot here as well, right? I think the Cowboys have really had a dig at home, at home, at home in particular. Yeah, at home in particular. Actually, I don't think they will win by a lot. No, I think it'll be a relatively close game, but one of those games where the Panthers are always going to win, if you know yeah. what I mean. But I don't know if they're going to blow them off the field. I think the the Cowboys surprisingly haven't dropped their bundle and sort of played quite well, so they're not going to win. But I don't see the Panthers thrashing them either. It might be something like the 25-12 victory that they had over um, the Broncos. So, you know, Panthers to win, but I, I think, you know, the Cowboys will give them a bit of a run. I think that's right. I think, And I think the line's probably about right there as well. So, so the... What about Emre Perry? Is it Emre or Emre? I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's I'm, not I, Turkish, right? That's like the most Turkish name ever for a non-Turkish player. Emre. Yes. It is. Yeah, right? it is. It yeah. is. So, okay, moving on to, to, to the Eels versus the Broncos. Uh, the Eels are a dollar twelve favourites. Broncos are six dollars fifty. The Broncos traditionally have cha- have really um, traditionally challenged the Eels. It's been hard for us to beat them. Although the last couple of years we've been giving a bit of a towel up. Broncos have got sixteen and a half points start here. Reed Marnie's back for the Eels um, and Ray Stone out with obviously replacing Ray Stone. Will Smith is retaining a bench spot. The Broncos, they've got an all-new front row with Payne Haas out of the bubble for family reasons and Reese Kennedy suspended while 5'8", Sean O'Sullivan has been dropped. Brody Croft was set to return but suffered a head knock at training this week, or I think it was yesterday, so Tyson Gamble starts in the halves. Ben Teo and Joe Offerhengawi start up front and Jamil Hapawadi and Ethan Bullimore return on the interchange bench. I think this game will not be 58-0. I think the Eels will win, but I think it'll be by 12 points. It won't be 40-point victory for the Eels. I'm interested in watching this game because I kind of think... I think the Broncos have... You know, something's happened the last couple of weeks. Maybe since, you know, Seabold's gone. Like you said, they've they've simplified their defensive structures and a little bit tighter. Bit, bit of a circuit breaker. Yeah, well, they're simplified defence. Yeah, and I think they've played a, a lot better, but you can see that they... they they're hanging in games a bit more, not getting flogged, which is a, a massive. Step I just up. hope Para's attack switches on. Maybe this is a good game for them, for them to just get run into a bit of form in attack. The Broncos have been better, 
But I think if Para has serious aspirations to win the competition, like in attack, this is a game, like you said, where they've got to sharpen things up a little bit. Like you said, not a flogging, but I'm expecting some attack from Para to, you know, sort of show something before the semis. I don't, you can't just flick a switch in the semis and all of a sudden start whipping everybody's ass. It doesn't work that way, right? So I think their attacks really struggled. So I'm, I, for me, this is a game I watch out for Para's attack and their structures and and see how dangerous they can be with the ball in hand this week. Defensively, they're great. Their attitude's great. It's just a matter of what have you got in with the ball in hand this year, Para, before the semi starts. So good game to probably sharpen them up beforehand. Para will win. It's a matter of how much and how they actually win. Yep, agreed. So moving on to Super Saturday, first game ups, Manly versus the Titans. Manly are $1.43 favourites. The Titans are $2.85. The Titans have got a six and a half point start. Lachlan Croker starts in the halves after Kate Cuss' injury last week for the Seagulls with Danny Levi back starting at hooker and Corey Woodell joining the interchange. Tommy Turbo is some chance of returning after being named in Jersey 21. I don't know why they would risk Tommy Turbo given they've got nothing to play for, but hey, I'm not in charge at the Seagulls. For the Titans, Kevin Proctor returns from suspension in the second row in place of the injured Bo Furmore while Tanner Boyd replaces Aaron Clark on the bench. This will be closer than people think, I suspect. I think the Titans are a show here. I actually think the Titans will win this week. I thought Manly were made to look a lot better. The Bulldogs had them on the ropes, didn't have the attacking class to knock them out. I think they were there for the taking, and we could only get a 10-0 lead when really it should have been 22-24-0. I think with the amount of possession and the territorial advantage they had, and I don't see the Titans, if given the same opportunity, not running up a score. So I, I think the Seagulls have been a bit poor the last couple of weeks. There's been flashes of really good play. I mean, Cherry Evans at times has been fantastic. But um, I think if they turn up with a similar type of... Cherry Evans is playing being really great. He's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not been on and off. I think Cherry Evans has been fantastic. Cherry Evans has been great. I really like Cherry Evans. Good attitude. He's always a, he's a competitor. But I just think if they give that opportunity, the hot and cold, to the Titans, I think the Titans will score a few tries. You know, they'll, they'll score two or three tries, whereas the Bulldogs struggled and the Tigers, Tigers, until they were getting flogged, decided to score three in, you know, 10 minutes. So, I don't know. I'm tipping the Titans. I think they'll win. I think, I think this will be a really close game. I agree. So moving on to the next game on Saturday, which is the Storm versus the Tigers. Uh, the Storm are $1.15 favourites. The Tigers are $5.50, and the Tigers are getting 15.5 points start. For the Storm, Kristen Wel- Christian Welsh returns a prop. Nelson Asofa Solomona moves to lock. He may be the biggest lock in the world. Of all time, probably. <laughs> Tino moves to the bench, and Darren Schoenig drops out. Brandon Smith has a chance to return after being named in Jersey 18. Presumably not at hooker unless they're going to give Cam Smith a bit of a break. For West Tigers, Joey Leilua replaces Tommy Talau at centre. Don't know who's going to miss more tackles there. And Josh Reynolds replaces replaces the suspended Luke Brooks in the halves. Um, <laughs> clearly, Madge picked Josh Reynolds through gritted teeth. Sam McIntyre starts in the back row with Luke Garner to the bench. Russell Packer and Dane, Zane Musgrove have been called up on the bench with Elijah Taylor and Jacob Little dropped. A lot of changes for the Tigers. Um, I think the Storm win this, don't they? I mean, I think I think so. There's too much. There's too much class there. Brenko, you know, the superb Brenko Lee still in the centres. Well, um, Vunivalu another week back, another week better. Nico Hines is very skillful at the back as well. 
I mean, they lose a bit of speed with Nico Hines there, but they don't lose class and craftiness at the back from the back. And the Tigers, this is the thing: if they switch off against Melbourne and they get blown away twenty nil, they're not coming back. Melbourne will not let them come back. So Cowboys, Cowboys won second half sixteen twelve last week. Yeah, look, I know. I I just think that you look at the last two weeks, the Tigers have been down a lot by a lot in both games and allowed to come back. I just don't see Melbourne allowing them to come back if they start the same way. And Joseph Leilu and Chris Lawrence, I mean, how dangerous is that centre pairing? Well, really, I I don't think you could find two different temperaments on the field than Chris Lawrence and Joey Leilua. Storm, Storm, Storm will win. Good to see Michael Cheekham back, actually, in the extended reserves. You know, he had that head knock earlier in the year. Yeah, horrible. So, yeah, good to see him back, yeah. Well, if he gets a run on the field anyway. So, last game on Saturday is the Roosters versus Sharks. This should be a good game, but the Roosters are starting a $1.10 favourites and the Sharks are $7. Sharks haven't beaten anyone inside the top eight all year. Sharks have got a 16.5 point start. The Sharks are unchanged. They've named the same team. So... Close to close to full strength. James Tedesco is rested with Joey Manu to play fullback. And Mitch Orbison is in the centres. And Freddie Lusick recalled on the bench. C.O.C. Takiaho is also rested with Jared Waria Hargraves returning a prop. Lindsay Collins starts in the front row with Angus Crichton returning to the spine. God, there's some good there's some good ins and good outs there for the Roosters, isn't there? Now, I think this game will be closer than people think, but I do think the Roosters will get over the line because they've been playing so well. I don't think it's a 16.5 point start to the Sharks. I think it'll be closer than that. I, I agree with you on that one. And I think the Sharks, you know, it's a they've got a test just before the semis. They're in the eight now. Um, there's no reason why they can't beat some of the teams around them in the eight as well. Like, say, they play the Knights or something like that. So this is a good test for them. Before. If the Roosters whip them, they could demoralize the Sharks too. Yeah, I see. That's what I mean. I think I agree with you there. I see that as a, as a big test. If they get whipped, then it's kind of like, well, we're making up the numbers. And I think if they really challenge them or even sneak a win, you know, I think it can really give them a lot more confidence going into the, the first round of finals for the Sharks. They're pretty much full strength. They look like they've got their lineup ready to go. Fafita's back on the bench. Um, you know, Nakora, they've got Braley, um, Woods. Connor Tracy seems to be there 5'8 from now. Well, he does what Dylan Brown does um, for I us. He's just he's a good runner. He's a good runner. Uh, look, I, I can't see the Roosters losing, but I'm expecting a pretty decent game. But I, I am expecting a massive game from Manu, from Joey Manu. I think he's been coasting a little bit. To some degree, as much as you can coast as part of the Roosters, because I think Trent Robertson will probably probably whip the crap out of you if you. He also has made noise about wanting to be a fullback, right? Well, so... I think he is a fullback. I think they turned him into a centre. I think he came through the ranks as a fullback. Well, good opportunity for him to step up and have a massive. I, game, I disagree you know? with you. I think Joey Manu is doing what's being asked of him, and when they when they need him, he has big games, and when they don't need him, he's happy to do his role. That's that's the rooster's attitude. Next man up. I, I, that's and that's what I meant by coasting. Probably is not the right word. He probably just does his role, but you know he he's he's a superb talent. So it'll be interesting to see if he has a massive game of fullback. Brilliant. Bit of a statement game for Joey Manu. Yeah, I, I I don't think he needs it. I think he could. He's one of the better centers in the comp. So moving on to the Sunday game, Raiders versus Warriors. Raiders are a dollar twelve favorites. Warriors are six dollars fifty outsiders. Warriors have got nothing to play for. Last two games before they can go home. So. So this could be a bit of a blowout, and and the sports tab reflects that with the 16-point start to the Warriors. For the Raiders, Havili starts at hooker with Tom Starling going to the bench. Other than that, they remain unchanged. The Warriors, 
have got the, the lone players have departed. So Daniel Alvaro and George Jennings are back to Parramatta. And Jermaine Tanua Brown is suspended. Adam Kieran starts at centre with Hayes Perham replacing George Jennings on the wing. And Lachlan Burr starts a prop with Eliasa Katoa returning on the bench alongside debutant Tom Ale. Well, I think it's the Raiders by a lot. I think the Raiders will win quite easily. That's what my gut tells me. But I think there's also the possibility that the Warriors now, they've got nothing to play for and everything sort of will come to a head this game. And I don't know if they're going to turn up with the same intensity. But there is a slight possibility that they just go stuff it and just go and enjoy their footy and play really relaxed and um, play superbly. I think there's a minor chance of that happening. It can sort of free you mentally a little bit. I hope you're right. I think there's probably 0.001% chance of that happening. I think it's been a long season for the Warriors. It is, and that's what my, my gut tells me. It's a long season. They Now they're out of the semis for sure. It'll be hard to turn and up. And they've been playing, they've been away from their family for so long. Like they're, they're, just, yeah. they're just like, they'd be thinking to themselves, mate, one more week and I get to go home and see my kids. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. So, so moving on to our last game of the round, the Knights versus the Dragons. Knights are a dollar thirty-five favourites, and the Dragons are three dollars twenty-five outsiders. The Dragons have an eight and a half point start. I don't know that there's anything we can take out of the 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 Dragon, uh, the the Knights versus the Roosters from last weekend. It was a bit of a trial run, if anything. For the Knights, Kalen Ponga returns at fullback. Hooker Kurt Mann is suspended, and five-eighth Mason Lino has been dropped. With Tex Hoy moving to the halves and Chris Randall in at dummy half, Phoenix Crossland has joined the interchange. Heimel Hunt is recalled at centre in place of Shibasaki, and Mitch Barnett, my my favourite Knights forward, returns at lock. <laughs> with Jacob Saifidi dropping to the he is your King yeah, Arthur, and, is he? And Josh King at 18th man. For the Dragons, Tarek Sims replaced Billy Britton on the bench and Max Feyagi debuts in place of Tyrrell Fuamayano. What do you think? I think this would be a pretty good game to watch. And I'm, I want to keep a close eye on the on the Knights. The, the Knights' backline looks very fast and quite diverse now. With Ponga, I think they've got a tall target and Edric Lee is quite athletic. Tuala, you know, adds some speed and footwork in the centres on one end. And Heimel Hunt's quite solid and tough. And Stafford Toa speed, adds some speed as well. And I like the move of Tex Hoy. I want to see how he goes at 5'8". He's, he's quite a quick player. So I want to see how much punch they've got in attack. I sort of just more out of interest to see what it looks like for the Knights this week. I don't know what dragon side you're going to get. I think the dragons have... I think I think they're going to lay down. This well, week. I agree with you, and the knights always seem to respond pretty well to a hiding. So I think I think if if history's anything to go by, I think the knights will get up easily in this game. Is my is my tip? I mean, they got flogged last week. This back end of the half, like you said, they were in the game for quite a while, and then I suppose the reality hits you. There's two or three games to go. It's been a tough year for everybody. You know, a lot of people, some tougher than others. And from a footy perspective, you know, there's been a lot of turmoil. The coach has been under pressure half the season. Griffin's come in. He's sacking people left, right, and centre. He's sacking people that don't work there. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's just, you know. Uh, Sorry, mate, I just work in the coffee shop. So a part of me wonders kind of, you know, if, the, if they're just towards the back end of the half, the second half, if the Knights will just run away well, with it. But it'll be a good game, interesting game to watch, yeah. I think. Hard to pick. Yeah, well, I, I, I think the Knights will get up easily is my, my tip. Anyway, that, that brings us to the end of the preview of round 19 and the end of our pod for this week. So thank you, listeners, for joining us. And thank you, G, for once again being a co-host with the most. So have a good one, guys.
Take care. Uh, I will see you next week, probably with another Bulldog story. Ha ha, great. Looking forward yeah, to that. Yeah, I have. See you next week, see, G. See you, G. Take yeah. care. See ya.